And I feel like the Spirit of the Lord has laid upon my heart uh, a word about Christmas. I don't intend to be lengthy this morning. But if you will turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and verse number 1. And all of the kids that are being dismissed, please be sure and come and see Pastor after the service. I have a treat for you up here in the pulpit. But so Luke chapter 20 or chapter 2, verse 1, going through the 20th verse. And I want to title my message this morning, The Bigger Picture of Christmas. The Bigger Picture of Christmas. So if you're there, we'll begin reading. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes or strips of cloth, and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from then into the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, that the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which was told unto them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, 
as it was told unto them. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to open our eyes this morning to the richness of your word and the, the profound mystery of God coming in the flesh, Emmanuel, to be with us. I pray this morning, Heavenly Father, that you will allow me to be a vessel used to glorify Christ and to edify the people of God. I pray that you will enable me, that you will give me divine utterance, that you will put your words in my mind and in my mouth, that you will allow me today, Heavenly Father, to be used as an instrument in your hand to speak your word. Let your word be richly planted in our hearts. And Father, for these things, we will give you thanks and give you praise. Anoint me now with the anointing of the Holy Spirit for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. So this morning, as I said, I want to title the message, The Bigger Picture of Christmas. And the text that we have read this morning is the Christmas story. That's it in a nutshell. Mary and Joseph are instructed to travel to Bethlehem. Once they arrive, they can find no place to stay because there is no room in the inn. The baby comes at what would seem to be the most inconvenient time. Angels sing, shepherds testify, and Mary ponders all of these things in her heart. That's the essence of the story. We've all read it. We have all seen the traditional nativity scenes. The wise men, who, by the way, didn't show up until much later. But we've seen all of the nativity scenes, the wise men, the manger, the star, the stock animals, the baby Jesus. We've all read this before. So I'm not going to be sharing anything new with you this morning. I, I read an article a few days ago that some pastors or some preachers stress about having to preach the same story over and over and over every year at Christmas. I don't stress about it at all. I'm not trying to feed you anything new. I'm going to tell you what the scripture has to say. And it doesn't change. So we've all read this story before, and I intend to share nothing new with you. It's a very familiar story. In fact, my wife and I, we have a tradition since our children were just very, very small in our family. Every Christmas um, before the children opened their gifts, I would read the, the Christmas story, this setting of text, from my grandfather's Bible. And then we would open the Christmas gifts. We still continue that family tradition with our grown children and now our grandchildren because this is the story about Christmas, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Remember Charlie Brown in despair says, can't someone, can't someone please tell me the true meaning of Christmas? And Linus walks to the center of the stage and recites the Annunciation, this portion of scripture that was given to the shepherds. And he says to Charlie Brown at the end, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. The coming of our Savior. The text is what Christmas is all about. And I believe every single word of it. I believe that it happened exactly as the word of God describes it to us. But beloved, I just might suggest to you this morning that we often have a very narrow view of the events at Christmas. Not because the word of God is incomplete and not because God's word is lacking in some way, but most of the time we have a narrow view because we are looking at the story in a one-dimensional sort of way. We are looking at it in a one-dimensional kind of way. Pastor Gary, what do you mean? What I'm saying is that often we are looking at the story from a singular perspective. We are often looking at the story as one on the outside looking in. And rarely do we stop to consider what it must have been like for the participants Rarely do we stop to think what it must have been like, amen, on the inside looking out. How many of you know we have a very good view of looking from the outside in? We have a very good view of looking on. But if we want a broader picture, a bigger picture of what Christmas really means or what Christmas, amen, really is to us then I suggest that we also need to take a look from the inside out. And so this morning, I want you to ask yourself, have you ever stopped to think of what all of these events looked like for Mary and Joseph? My grandmother and grandfather used to say, you know, never judge an individual until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, let me just encourage you this morning to try to put yourself in their shoes. And let's look at the the Christmas story and stop to consider what it must have looked like from the inside out. This morning, if we can, I want to challenge us to look at the bigger, uh, bigger picture of Christmas. And instead of looking from the outside in, I want us to try to consider what it must have been like, amen, for those who were going through the things that we are simply reading about. What must it have looked like? Here's what it looked like. Here's how it happened. Joseph falls in love with a beautiful young virgin. And he asks her to be his wife. And she says, yes. And things are good. So they are busy planning their wedding and there's going to be a celebration. And no doubt the both of them are looking forward to their future. And no doubt they are making plans for their wedding. And they can't wait to be united in matrimony. I met my wife Forty years ago, married her a year and a half later. And I can tell you that it was with great anticipation that I looked forward to my wedding day. 
So I can imagine that Joseph, he falls in love with this young virgin girl, Mary, and life is good because she said yes. And they can't wait. There's a celebration going to happen. There's a wedding to plan. Everything is wonderful. Amen. And, and before the big day of the wedding, before they are united in matrimony, and before they are able to consummate their wedding vows, before they are united in marriage, Mary is visited by an angel by the name of Gabriel. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel says to Mary, Hail, thou art highly favored of the Lord. Blessed art thou among women. And when Mary saw him, the scripture says that she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutations this must be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And I am about to unload a boatload of trouble on you. <laughs> you have found favor with God. Oh, I won the lottery. Life is going to be good. Everything is going to come up roses. I found favor with God. No, get ready for some tough times ahead. Hello? You found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Jesus is his Greek name. Yahshua or Joshua is the Hebrew name. You will name him Jesus, and he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God, the Father, shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, I don't know how things operate where you come from. <laughs> but that can't happen here because I don't know a man. In other words, I have never been sexually intimate with a man. She says to him, amen, how can this be? Seeing that I do not know a man. And the angel says to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee and therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And I love Mary's response. Luke chapter 1 verse 38, Mary says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, even according to thy word. She was more than willing to surrender her will unto God's will, even though she knew that it would create an incredible hardship in her life. As a matter of fact, according to the Mosaic law, Joseph could have had her stoned. He could have had a rock concert in her honor. Hello? But instead of her giving into her fear, 
Instead of her giving in to her intrepidation, she, amen, had faith and she trusted that if God, amen, was saying that these things were going to come to pass, that he would be able to keep her safe. So now Mary is left to explain to her fiancé that there has been no hanky-panky with anybody else. But I'm pregnant, and Joseph is asked to believe the impossible. Wait a minute. You are telling me that you are still a virgin, and yet you are pregnant. Honey, I was born in the dark, but I wasn't born in the dark last night. Hello? He's asked to believe the impossible. How many of you know that's a really rough way to start out your relationship? <laughs> the girl that you love and has said yes, as I'm pregnant, and I've never been with another man. You want me to buy that, really? Hello? Amen. But Joseph, being a just man, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make of her a public example. He didn't want to haul her out in the middle of the town square and have her stoned to death. He loved her. Was minded to put her away privately, but while he thought on these things, the Bible says, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream and said, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then the Bible goes on to tell us there in Matthew, now all of these things were done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. The prophet Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 7 and 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive of the child and bring forth a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And Joseph, the Bible says in Matthew, being a just man, arose from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and he took to him to be Mary, his wife. He took her to be his wife and he knew her not until she had brought forth their firstborn son and they called his name Jesus. So understand that in spite of all of this incredible virgin birth information and in spite of the fact that his fiancée is pregnant and he has never been intimate with her, in spite of all of the miraculous visits from the angels and the dreams, even with such life-altering news, Joseph is willing to take Mary to be his wife. And just about the time that they are getting adjusted to life and ready to put the past in the past and try to live a somewhat normal life, the Roman government, who they are subservient to, 
hands down a decree that everybody in the land has to return to your uh, to the city of your ancestors to be assessed for taxation joseph must have thought wonderful don't we all just love it when the government comes to take what we have worked so hard to accumulate and joseph is probably thinking to himself great just about the time that I'm about to get ahead, the government steps in to take more of my income. And on top of that, I have a long, unexpected, unplanned journey that I have to make with a woman who is nine months pregnant. Piece of cake. Right? On top of that, I have to make this journey back to Bethlehem the city of my ancestors. And, and on top of all of that, I've got I've to I've have this woman that's nine months pregnant go with me. How many of you have ever spent time with a pregnant woman? <laughs> Here, let me put it this way. For those of you that have not, you are in for a treat. Kind of like a root canal. <laughs> so I, if you have ever been with a nine-month nine month pregnant woman, you know, I mean, who is ready and done to be pregnant. Because there comes a time when they're just like, I'm done. I'm just done. How do you know that? Because she told me more than once. So now they have to travel to Bethlehem, not for a holiday, not for a sabbatical, not for a vacation, not for a deluxe retreat, but they have to go and present themselves and be assessed for taxation. Bethlehem was about 90 miles from Nazareth, so the trip would be about a four or five day, full day's worth of travel. For us, that would be a trip equivalent to Emmett to McCall on foot. No Uber, no taxi, no train, no bus, uphill. <laughs> Hello? And once they arrive in Bethlehem after, you know, I mean, after a, a, a trip on a rocky, dusty trail, once they arrive in Bethlehem, the city is packed with people who are there for the same reason that they are there. And there is no rooms to be found. There isn't a hotel. There isn't a motel. There isn't a retreat. There isn't a spa. None of those things. No room in the end. And about that time, Mary steps up and says, Honey, I think my water broke. <laughs> and Joseph has got to be saying to himself, You have got to be kidding me. Are you serious? I'm talking about looking from it from the inside out. Looking at it from the participant's point of view. I'm not talking about looking at the little pristine, amen, nativity scene and looking from the outside in and thinking everything was wonderful. No, what I'm talking about is real life. What it looked like to them. 
Joseph must have been thinking to himself, I don't know how much more I can take. The baby Jesus is born in one of the most unlikely, place, uh, most unlikely places, born in a stable and wrapped in strips of clothing or strips of cloth and laid in a feed trough for a crib. If you are thinking this morning that it was a pristine barn with a warm glowing fire and the animals looking on with wonder and amazement in their face, if you're thinking that it was a pristine little snuggly blue blanket purchased at the local buns in the oven store, amen, you have a very misguided point of view. You have a very misguided point of view. No, it was more like a darkened cave that had been carved out of the side of the mountain. Amen. And, and it carried all of the familiar smells of flesh for animals, manure. You know how a barn smells. And all of the while, all of the while, while this is going on and while all of this is unfolding, God is operating elsewhere out in the field where the shepherds are. And a band of shepherds are astonished at the night sky by the angel that the Lord had sent and astonished by the words. And, and they hear the angelic choir sing, glory to God in the highest. Let me just stop right there for a moment this morning to just tell you. If we start looking at this story from Mary and Joseph, amen, if we start looking at it from their point of view, there's not a lot to shout about. If we start looking at the story from the inside out point of view, there's not a whole lot to get excited over because Mary and Joseph must have felt like they were going through the trial of their life. And yet I submit to you this morning that they were exactly where God wanted them to be. They must have felt like, man, amen, one more thing. I'm going to change my name to Murphy. Hello? I, I don't know how much more I can take. I, don't, I mean, everything that can go wrong is going wrong from their point of view. But they are exactly where God wanted them to be. In fact, God planned the whole thing. They must have felt like everything that could go wrong was happening to them one thing right after another. They must have felt that they were completely out of God's will like a fish out of water. They must have felt like everything was coming unwrapped. But in reality, God had completely orchestrated every single thing that they were going through. I came to tell somebody this morning you may feel like some of the things in your life are falling apart and coming unwrapped, but I came to tell you, have faith in God. Amen. You are right where God wants you to be. How do you know that, Pastor Gary? Because the Bible says in Psalms chapter 37 and verse number 23 that the steps of a good man and the steps of a good woman are ordered of the Lord. 
So if you belong to Jesus Christ this morning, amen, I, you may be encountering some hard things and you may be encountering some troubles and you may be encountering some trials, but just hang right where you are. God is orchestrating everything that's happening in your life for a purpose. Proverbs 16 and 9 says a man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. God had planned every step of their way to bring about his plan and his purpose in their life. You see, they did not have the luxury of seeing the big picture. But we do. They did not have the luxury of seeing the big picture. They were walking faith by faith and step by step, trusting God. I don't know how, I don't know when, but it's got to get better than this. God says, oh, you don't know how good it's going to get. You don't even understand how wonderful, amen, things are. You don't even, have, you don't even understand how good, the, amen, things are going to be. You don't even know. You don't even know. You're just seeing the first part, amen. I see the whole picture, and I've got a plan, and I have a purpose for what you are going through. They were living moment by moment and walking step by step. Some of you here this morning are feeling like you were going through the trial of your life, but I came to tell you that God is up to something good. I came to tell you, amen, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Hold fast to the hand of God, amen, because God has planned your every step. You may feel like you are struggling at every turn. You may feel like you are struggling with every new situation one right after another. You may feel like you are faced uh, with new impossibilities, uh, but I came to tell you, amen, trust in God. God is working his plan out uh, for your life. Uh, you may not see it now. You may not understand it now, and you may not get it right now at the moment, but it ain't over until God says it's over. Mm. Hallelujah. We need to understand that God put them through their story so that he could rewrite our story. Hmm. We need to understand that God put them through their story so he could rewrite our story. Maybe you are going through some of the things that you are going through to rewrite someone else's story. Because when they hear yours, it'll give them faith and encouragement to believe God for the struggles that they are going through. Mary and Joseph went through what they did so that God could bring his son into this world and give us an everlasting hope. We need to remember this morning that the Bible tells us that beauty comes from ashes through Christ. Where does it say that, Pastor Gary? Isaiah chapter 61, beginning with verse number one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is talking about the Messiah. This is talking about Jesus. In fact, Jesus quoted these verses in the synagogue 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. If you are brokenhearted, I'm preaching good news. Amen. If you are, if you are bound, then I'm telling you this morning, Christ wants to set you free. To preach or proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To confirm or comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. Here, listen to this. To give them beauty for ashes. And to give them oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Understand this morning that they went through the things that they went through so that God could put his son, that God himself could wrap himself in flesh step down through 42 generations, enter the womb of a virgin girl and come into, be, come into this world to be with us, Emmanuel, God, with us. So that he could dwell with us, so that he could deal with us, so that he could reveal the true character of the Father to us. When we bring it all together, the entire story of this baby born that first Christmas, we see the total picture. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to set us free from our past. He came to set us free from the bondage of the adversary. He came to set us free from our sin and from our temptation. He came, the word in the flesh came, amen, so that all who believe upon him could be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, amen, would not perish but would have everlasting life. And we have but one responsibility. What is that responsibility? To believe and receive. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, as many as received him, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We may get some wonderful Christmas presents this week. What I want you to understand and what I want you to make note of is the greatest gift that you will ever receive was given to you over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God came to bring life. What kind of life? A forgiven life. God came through his son to give us life. What kind of life? Life, he said, and more abundantly. 
So understand that as we read our text, it's only part of the Christmas story. It's the story from the outside looking in. But there's more to the story from the inside looking out. The bigger picture is that Jesus came to rewrite your history, your story. The bigger picture is that Jesus came to save us from our own self-destructive sinful ways. The bigger picture is that through Christ, each one of us have the opportunity to be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. Bow your heads if you will, please. Bow your heads if you will, please. Our Heavenly Father, I'm sure that when Mary and Joseph walked the face of this earth, some of the things that they went through and some of the hardships that they, that they encountered I'm sure they didn't, they didn't understand why it unfolded the way that it did. But help us to understand that you are orchestrating our steps and you have a purpose and you have a plan. We're not just going through difficulties and trials for nothing. But Lord, help us to understand that you have our best interest at heart. And that whatever we are going through and whatever we are encountering, help us to know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. Help us to understand this morning, Lord, that you used them. Their story affected our story. You used them to be a blessing to the entire world. That through their life and through their obedience and through their hardship, the Son of God came to this earth to save us and to reconcile us back to our God. I pray, Heavenly Father, this morning that the word that we have spoken, the word that we've ministered here this morning will just be embedded into our spirit and that with a grateful heart we will look at the Christmas story in all of its beauty and wonder. In Christ's name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you you've just looked from the outside in and this morning you haven't allowed the Christmas story to affect your personal story. Today, receive Christ. Invite him into your heart. If you've not made that commitment to him, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. Don't leave here without saying, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you are going through some troubles and you are going through some trials and you, I mean, you know, you, you feel like everything that is, is, is going wrong in your life and everything that can go wrong is just one right after another, one thing and one thing, one hardship after another.
Understand that what you are going through is going to have a testimony for the grace of God if you will just hold tight. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep trusting in the Lord. This Christmas when you celebrate the birth of the Son, remember the things that happened unto them to make possible what is available to us. Stand to your feet, if you will, please. All over the building, slip your hand right up toward the Lord this morning. Slip your hand right up toward the Lord this morning. Father, I pray for every individual that's here in this house. I ask that you would allow the anointing of your Holy Spirit to take scales off of eyes that we all may see more clearly, both from the outside looking in and the inside looking out. Help us to understand that what we too face will not be for naught, and that you too will make a way for us. Rewrite some stories here in this house this morning. For Christ's sake we pray. In Jesus' name, come on and sing.